On the show today, Rich and I are joined by movie maker John Ross to discuss his latest film, Grim Cuddy, which you can watch on Hulu right now, and our favorite Halloween movies. I'm your host, Brad Jackson, and you're listening to the October 17th, 2022 edition of Coffee and Koshan. So, Rich, this week we are joined by an old friend of mine, uh, live from Hollywood. We have on with us uh, director, filmmaker, John Ross. John, thanks for joining us. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Of course. Thanks for having me. So, uh, you came out with a new movie that is on uh, Hulu, just in time for Halloween, um, a nice, good uh, horror uh, film called Grim Cuddy. And uh, I want to ha- want to have you on the show so we could uh, we could talk about it. Uh, you were nice enough to, to send us a little uh, link to watch some of it. And... Um, uh, I was really impressed with um, the way that you can get all these people together to tell a story. Obviously, making a, there's a lot more that goes into making a movie than what we end up seeing on the screen. Can you tell us a little bit about just the process from getting to point A to point Z on a film like this? Uh, well, I mean, uh, this is a 30-minute podcast, so I would need like a <laughs> nine-hour podcast or something for that. <laughs> Um, man, it's, uh, I I mean, making films is a, a a journey. It's crazy. I mean, it's, uh, it tests you in so many ways. Uh, but this project has evolved like crazy from the conception to the marketing, uh, quite dramatically. So when you're doing Um, a, when you're doing a movie like this and it's, um, it's a movie that ends up being on on streaming. Does that does it change how you go through the movie making process at all? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, there's a lot of things that you have to take into consideration because streaming streaming is like a level playing field, um, uh, which is kind of unique. You know, you've got I mean, ours is a very small movie, but you've got these very small movies right up next, like in the menu, right up next to really big budget movies, you know? So, um, and people who are, and the people who are scanning through the menu, they don't know, they don't know the difference. They don't differentiate until they really start watching the thing. And then they kind of get a sense of this isn't, this is a much smaller budget movie than this movie. So if you're like one of the smaller movies, uh, you have to compete. I mean, it's really competitive. You're kind of at a war for people's attention. Um, so, uh, you know, that definitely informs a lot of my decisions about, you know, how to market the movie, um, what kind of things need to be in the movie to keep people watching, you know, having like a, opening two minutes that like really grabs people and just trying to have something every few minutes that keeps them hooked or keep, keeps them watching. Cause also the other thing about streaming is like back in the day, you'd buy a ticket to a movie and you'd, you'd be in the theater, you know, you don't want to waste your ticket money. You know, you don't walk out as often, but now on streaming walking out of a movie is as easy as clicking the back button or whatever. I mean, it's, uh, 
and our attention spans are kind of are not what they used to be. So uh, you have to take that into consideration too. Um, I'm sure you guys have experienced this. I mean, it's uh, sometimes, I mean, I'll admit it's hard for me to get through some movies these days and uh, I get bored really easily. So that's kind of what you're up against when you're a very small movie competing with these very big movies on the same streaming service is like, how do I, how do I keep people watching? You know, this may be a, a small movie, but the cinematography, the production, the, I mean, audio production, video production, everything, you would not know that it was a smaller budget film while watching it. So is there a secret sauce to making that happen? Is it modern technology? You know, how are you able to achieve this? Because, you know, for those of us who've been watching movies for a long time and, you know, like the the old, uh, oh, now I'm, I'm drawing a blank, uh, that Robert, uh, fan, Quentin Tarantino's a fan. He did the movies. Robert with Rodriguez. Robert Rodriguez, you know, where he's doing his, uh, using, you know, rented, wheelchairs and things like that. Uh, Grim Cuddy does not feel like you were jury rigging to equipment together. How were you able to achieve that? Uh, thank you. Um, uh, you know, the technology has also kind of leveled the playing field. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, low budget movies and giant, you know, Hollywood tent poles are all using the same cameras um, you know, the difference is time, uh, Hollywood temples have more time. They have more technology and resources. Uh, I think there's, there's certain things they can do to the image and post that, uh, lower budget movies can't. Um, but the bottom line is you're still using the same cameras. Um, so, I mean, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, my cinematographer, Bridger Nielsen's really good. I'd worked with him on a Facebook watch show called the birch. And, um, you know, I knew that if I brought him on, it would look really professional. Um, uh, you know, I think, you know, like shot composition and lens choice makes a huge difference. Um, and, uh, I mean, I've been working on that stuff for a really long time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't really say, uh, that there's like some kind of secret sauce. Um, it just takes like a lot of experience. I've, I've been in this world of making like really low budget horror things for a while where you're always just trying to get the maximum production value off of uh, very little resources. Um, and I like, I like to think I've gotten pretty decent at it. John, this is a movie that uh, says a lot about what everybody experiences on a, on a regular basis. These days, everyone now carries around their phone in their pocket. And, and when, when we were growing up, phones were attached to the wall. Uh, then, you know, at some later point they became attached to your car uh, then they became these little flip phones that only called. Now they do everything. And um, that is, in some sense, part of this, major part of this story. Um, how did you deal with 
how did you deal with uh, getting phones in the movie, and and how did you think people would pay attention to all the stuff that's done on a screen in this film? Yeah, it's funny when you make a movie about technology. It's a very risky because <clears throat> technology change changes so rapidly. I think that um, you know no matter how fast you complete the film, the technology is going to be dated by the time you finish it. So, um, you know, that, that was very, you know, that, that can sometimes be kind of aggravating. Um, and you know, there's a lot of throwback horror these days, like horror shows that take place in like the eighties and nineties. I don't know if that's because people are nostalgic for a time when they, didn't have to deal with their phones or, (laughs) or if it's just like (laughs) people are tired of having to write stuff where, you know, they have to explain why, why they don't just call the police immediately, you know, because everyone's carrying around this this communication device. And also these days you can get reception just about anywhere. So it's, it almost seems like easier to just have your, your horror movie take place in the eighties or nineties than to have to deal with the technology in your script. You know, <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> um, so, but, you know, I, I just think that, I mean, just think about how much you use your phone and how much you're on your phone and in front of a screen in your day-to-day life. And, and like what, we can't make horror movies about this. I mean, come on. Um, so yeah, when you go to a movie, you don't want to watch people looking at a screen the whole time. But I mean, you know, if you want to make a movie about the modern age and what we're grappling with, I mean, you got to do a little bit of that. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, I came up with this idea of like kids having their technology taken away or people being forcefully kind of detached from their technology. And that was kind of a, um, in a way that was almost kind of my own roundabout way of addressing the, uh, why don't you just call the police problem? You know, it's interesting because I, I, I understand the role of the detox detox box that's in this. Um, and, uh, honestly, as a parent myself of two children, um, it, it doesn't sound like a terrible idea (laughs) to, uh, have everybody stash their shit in a box and, and put it away for a while. Um, so that they're not always staring at a screen. But what's interesting is that uh, I, I love that as the parents get more uh, wrapped up in this, the, the monster starts appearing more. And, and it's, it's, it sort of talks about how this, it's not just the kids doing this, it's the, it's the craziness in, in society, how their parents react to it, and, and this sort of, sort of just, uh, uh, just monster that develops because this is just a, a, you know, something steamrolling down a hill, right? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not a dad, but if I was, I think I'd totally be like the dad in this movie at the beginning of the movie. Um, I mean, the thing is I, I agree with everything the dad's doing at the beginning. Um, the thing about the phone free outings, uh, that feels like a healthy practice to me and like what he's doing, like having one phone free outing per week, that's not even that extreme or anything. Um, I think it's when 
they start misdiagnosing or or like overdiagnosing the issue um, with some kind of fad technology diet that it starts to get kind of culty and goes south. Um, you know, I I I keep coming back to the food analogy for social media. Like, I think what you put in your brain is as important as what you put in your body. The like fast food, fast food is tasty and kind of addictive. But should you eat fast food every meal? Of course not. Like even the people who make fast food would probably agree with that. So in that regard, I think social media is fast food for your brain. Um, should you consume it like hour uh, every hour on the hour? No, I mean even the people who make the social media apps, like the dad was saying, would agree that that's not a good idea. Um, but at the same time, I feel like um, blaming phones for everything is just kind of a kind of a, a like an easy scapegoat because um, uh, kids today just don't think about phones in the same way that we do because, as you know, you know we we grew up without phones. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone until like college. Um, and, uh, you know, so all the, the smartphones and the social media, that was all new stuff that, that, you know, came up when we were like older and our brains were already developed. And I think our, our, our brains didn't know entirely how to handle the like sudden onslaught of these things. Whereas like kids today have grown up with those things and it's just, commonplace it's just kind of like uh, i feel like they see it more as just like a tool uh so i don't think and that in that way a phone is i mean a phone is just a little a little computer that you carry around i mean it can't it can't get you addicted to it any more than like a hammer can get you addicted to hammering you know what i mean um so i i, I don't know i was trying to take the kids side as much as possible in that regard because the parents are just freaking out about these things that they're just not used to and they don't understand whereas i wanted to show the kids using technology to try and solve the problem that they're in using technology for a, the tool that it is you know and using it for its intended purpose that really came across to me when I was watching it. I have three daughters. My oldest turned 15 just over the weekend and she's grown up with this stuff. And for her birthday, I bought her physical books, which is what she wanted. And, you know, sometimes it's a challenge for, you know, for us, we grew up and, and we weren't, we just left the house. And now it's like, Hey, do you have your phone? And sometimes it's like, Hey, did you remember to charge your phone so that you can take it in case you need it? And going back, you know, tying this in, uh, you didn't make a movie in the eighties. You didn't set it in the eighties, but it also struck me the way it, uh, it was like the satanic panic of the 80s, you know, with the, the the Donahue show with, you know, the backwards records. And and then you bridged it up into the, the days of the challenge. And none of these challenges really exist until they're willed into existence by 
people who are freaked out about technology, whether you're talking Tide Pod or what's the current one cooking a whole chicken in NyQuil or whatever. Yeah, NyQuil uh, chicken <laughs> challenge. I love that one. <laughs> Please don't cook a ni- chicken in NyQuil. Please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, were, were it not for the like hysterical news reports and Twitter posts about these things, like kids wouldn't even know about it, you know? Um. I think the I, I, I wonder how much it how much it is like a, a challenge that's circulating like between kids and how much is how much it's like um you know the hysteria over it is to what gets kid kids interested in it in the first place. Um but yeah, I mean with, with uh so so your daughter I, I was kinda curious because your daughter you saying your daughter wanted books. I mean, I kind of wonder if kids are sort of, if, if I kind of wonder if kids enjoy throwback horror, like horror set in the eighties and nineties, because they, they in, in like part of them wishes that they didn't have this phone. I mean, cause you know, phones make, I mean, when we were kids, you, you might get bullied at school, but when you got home, they're not there. And they can't, you know, I mean, I suppose they could call you on the phone or TP your house or something. But other than that, that, you know, they can't, they can't touch you. But now kids, um, especially girls face this kind of like bullying and scrutiny 24 seven because of the phone. So I kind of wonder if kids are sort of, um, you know, in a way, in a way wish they didn't have to deal with this phone. But, uh, you know, they're, but we, like, I feel like we have to acknowledge that they were born into the world that we created for them. Like, you know, we adults all have phones too. And, you know, we're, we're just as bad. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes when I like sit down in the toilet and I realize I didn't bring my phone with me, I'm like panicked. You know, <laughs> no more looking at catalogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't, you don't just grab the bathroom reader that's sitting on the, you know. Yeah. Cause those were a thing. They were, I remember those. <laughs> yeah. Um, and <laughs> go ahead. Rich. And it, to your point, like I, I do think that they get tired of the technology, but I'm not just a naturally pessimistic guy. I mean, I can be very cynical and pessimistic, but normally I could find the good. And just from my observations with my kids and their peer groups and things, they they seem to be developing a healthier relationship at, with technology than a lot of adults. I, I sometimes wonder exactly. if we're not projecting our own issues onto them. Uh, you know, I, Absolutely. I, I joked on Twitter at one point, I don't remember, you know, six months or so ago, you know, the greatest uh, baby boomer flex was taking a technology, taking over a technology that was created for dudes to scope out college girls because, you know, kids aren't on Facebook. Right. It's all adults. Yep. (laughs) So uh, it's total projection. And and I feel like, yes, pessimism takes, you know, can take hold of people pessimism about technology can easily take hold. So John, but, um, John, let me ask you this. These, this movie obviously is, is about kids that features a lot of kids. 
One of the things they tell you not to do in Hollywood is work with kids. Did you have a good time working with the kids on your movie? Oh yeah. The kids and the kids in Grim Cuddy are awesome. Um, Sarah was great. Um, she was just so believable and genuine and up for anything. Uh, Callan was so much fun to work with and so, uh, funny. Uh, he just like brightened up the set and, uh, Caden who, uh, plays Brandon, the kid who like stabs his mom at the beginning of the movie was like, so, um, he, he was just in such a good mood the whole time and like excited and down for everything. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great. I, I do appreciate that. Uh, the, uh, your gentle ribbing of the mommy bloggers and, yeah. uh, <laughs> not revealing too much, <laughs> you know, gentle the, ribbing. Uh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> you know, the difference between how she projects her life on, uh, online to how it actually turned out in her home, which I won't give away. I don't remember I how it turned out that she was a blogger. Um, I just knew, I mean, the, the script evolved. It just, it, I mean, it, it went through so many drafts and revisions just at the treatment stage. Um, but event, I, I, I wanted the middle part of the movie to be sort of like a weird kind of Dante's Inferno style tour of different parenting styles, parenting <laughs> hells. <laughs> Uh, I feel like only two made it in though. You've got the kid who, <laughs> whose parents could give a shit or like total non-parenting. Right. And then like the most extreme, terrifying over-parenting. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I like, I have nothing against mommy bloggers. A lot of mommy bloggers provide a very valuable service, uh, I think um, I just think the way this woman in particular uses her kid as like a prop to promote her business and is just kind of, you know, spends her day kind of like obsessing over his behavior and posting about it is uh, is definitely weird. <laughs> okay. So I'm really glad um, you brought that up. An extreme exaggeration, obviously. Oh, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that up because um uh, uh my my ex-wife used to <laughs> bring up stuff she'd read on like Pinterest or uh I I was reading this mommy blog and I saw and as soon as the 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 conversation started with that I was like, "Oh, Jesus Christ, where the fuck is this going?" Like <laughs> because you knew that that was, nothing good was going to come of whatever was was said after I read this on a mommy blog. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> well, I don't I don't know if you've ever have you ever been to the doctor and you're like, well, you're talking to your doctor, you're like, well, I was reading that this and this might be a symptom of this, or yeah. or I was reading online that this might be a symptom of this, and my doctor's like, dude, he's like, stop diagnosing yourself <laughs> on the internet, just stop. You know, um, I mean, but I, Google I did like not go to med even, school. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, WebMD no, could just like, be a page that says you have cancer. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, but I mean, I feel like even these days we're like totally overdose, overdiagnosing and misdiagnosing ourselves in mentally, like our, our, our mental health. I feel like sometimes, and I, I was 
I, I feel like I was trying to work this idea into the movie a little bit that, that like we're overthinking it. Like we're overanalyzing um, our, our brains like, um, and you just need to like, let it all go and just, just be, you know, um, cause I think so much of, especially TikTok too, is just people sitting there spouting advice about, Oh, this is how you become a better this, or this is how you get better at this. And like, you need to do this daily and you need to get into this mindfulness routine. And like at a certain point, I mean, it's first of all, it's completely uncurated and unfiltered advice that you're just being barraged with. A lot of it is in conflict with each other. And at a certain point, you'll just start to go mad. Um, So, I mean, my hope was that people will kind of, I was hoping that people will watch this movie and just kind of release tension about all this stuff. Um, Because I think the way it ends with the, with the family, you just kind of, you know, they're standing around this hospital bed, just like laughing and chatting and, you know, they, it's like a a night and day difference from the beginning where they had all this kind of like pent up uh, anxiety and, uh, you know, they were, they were like overanalyzing and overthinking a lot of these perceived wrongs that are going on in their, their inner lives and their family lives. And, but by the end, they going through this, everything that happens in the movie, they kind of, have a catharsis and purge all this stuff and release all this tension. And they're just kind of, you know, chill. Um, that was kind of one of the themes in the movie was like, I think a character said that midway through like being chill, like, you know, something we all are trying to figure out how to get better at. How to do. That's right. Um, okay. Yeah. So if everybody wants to watch this, you can go on Hulu uh, it's called Grim Cuddy. Just search for Grim Cuddy, all one word, and you can track this down. John, before we let you go, I wanted to talk uh, just sort of briefly about uh, your favorite Halloween movies. It's that time of year um, where everybody sits down to watch Halloween movies. Um, uh, I know one of my favorite Halloween movies, which isn't really a scary movie, but I still consider it a Halloween movie, um, is E.T. because they do go trick-or-treating, and it's something I always like to watch with my kids at Halloween. But um, what's what, what are you, some, of your, some of your favorite Halloween movies? Um, I mean, usually on Halloween, I watch like Evil Dead 2. There you go. Um, cause you know, you're always in the mood for like a fun, fun horror or like a classic universal monster movie is can, you know, you can do no wrong with that. Um, you know, uh, I also like occasionally to watch a like a really low budget eighties slasher or something. <laughs> um, there's this movie on Criterion Channel right now called Strange Behavior, aka Dead Kids, that's from the early eighties that I really enjoyed that movie quite a bit. Um, um you know, on New Year's <laughs> sometimes on New Year's I'll watch New Year's Evil. Uh, yeah um and i you know i really like 
Suspiria. The original Suspiria is a good one. Um, Dario Argento. Those are the, yeah, exactly. And sometimes a double feature of Suspiria and Inferno, the follow-up. That's always, that's always good. John, you don't realize it's it. Good you Halloween just connect, horror atmosphere. Yeah, you don't realize it, but you just connected to our previous show where we were talking about Argento. So uh, there you go. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> um, perfect. What about you guys? Rich? So, you know, it's funny. I had to look it up while you were talking because you reminded me of this just terribly a wonderful uh, 80s horror movie called The Gate where these kids accidentally open a portal to hell. And, oh, yeah. Uh, and I was like, I'm going to have to try to see if I can find that streaming. But it might be one of those that's so bad it's never made it. Although I haven't watched it yet, but Saturday the 14th, which is kind of a a horror comedy, is now streaming. So maybe The Gate has. But, uh, you know, starting off light – you know, I love Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, uh, Ghostbusters, uh, Beetlejuice. Uh, and then, you know, for the darker side, you know, things like The Shining or uh, The Exorcist. So uh, and and then, of course, I do like, uh, you know, the movies you listed. I, I'm not going to get up and, and go look through my collection of DVDs, which, you know, I should have foreseen would become dated when I was spending you know, hundreds upon hundreds of dollars building this collection. But, uh, like the, the, uh, I'm not going to try to conjure up these names, but they're just the, the world of, uh, horror just has so much to offer because so many people who are passionate about it go out and just make their own movies. Uh, there's one that's on criterion, John, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, full of blanks today. I'm sure you can help me with it. There's one on Criterion. It's from the uh, 60s, I believe, where it was a group. That, Carnival of Souls. I talked myself into it, which if oh, yeah. you haven't seen mm-hmm. Carnival of Souls, this group of guys who made like technical films for uh, like corporations or manufacturers or something were like, you know what, let's make a movie. And they made this movie that ended up becoming this like cl- classic you know, classic for, for film nerds. But, uh, so if you haven't seen Carnival of Souls, I recommend checking it out. So Brad, what, what about you? I feel like I, I'm the only one on this, uh, this call that does not have criterion channel. I feel like I'm missing out. That seems like money. They well have spent. a really good, you know, I'm not shameless plug They They have a really good collection of eighties horror right now that I've been, that I've been, um, just watching one after the other. You know, another one that I always like to watch at Halloween is uh, Edward Scissorhands. I, that's one of those movies that I, I could watch a hundred times. I love that movie. Um, that's a good one at this time of year. Uh, Beetlejuice, you mentioned Beetlejuice. The original Ghostbusters, to me, is still one of the all-time greats. Um, I love that at this time of year. Um, and actually, I, I, like to, I like to watch Stranger Things at this time of year, uh, even though it usually comes out uh, earlier. Uh, I love to pull up Stranger Things at this time of year and rewatch that on Netflix because that has a lot of uh, horror references and, um, you know, some good jumps in it as well. I like that. If, the, if there's like a Stranger Things convention, you should go, you and my niece could go to it. She's <laughs> really into Stranger Things. That's a good show. Uh, it has. You can see a lot of the, the movies that we watched growing up influencing the guys who did that. Um, go to Hulu. You can watch uh, Grim Cuddy, 
and then follow John on uh, social media, and he can plug you into all the other great stuff he's done. John, th- thanks so much. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks a lot.